Good afternoon again. We're glad to be here from Partick Free Church of Scotland, continuing a local congregation, Scottish Registered Charity. And we're here from Two Thornwood Terrace, where we meet every Lord's Day at 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. We also meet on Wednesday evening at 7.30. And again, we would extend a, a warm welcome to you all that you might come along where you might hear something more about what we want to speak about to you this afternoon. We want to speak principally about Jesus Christ. He is the Son of God, and He is the Savior. He could have come to this earth as a ruler, as a judge, as a destroyer, but instead He came as a Savior. That's what His name means. It means Savior. And that would tell us His main purpose. His purpose was that He would come to seek and to save that which was lost. And before we will in any sense appreciate what He has done, we must first have some kind of understanding of our true plight and condition. We think we're all right by nature. And somehow we think that when we get to heaven, God, or when we get to eternity, I should say, when we get to eternity and when we meet God, God will have mercy upon us. He will, in some sense, look at all of our good deeds, and then he'll look at all of our bad deeds. And the hope is that our good deeds will cancel out our bad deeds, and God will accept us. That's kind of the way that many people think about the time when they will have an audience with God. Friends, the Bible says, There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 25. And if we are thinking the way that I've outlined, then we are basically following that proverb. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man. This is the way we think we'll be judged. This is the way, but it's not going to be the way. The way of God is completely and utterly different. God is a God who requires perfect, perpetual obedience. He demands perfection. God Himself is perfect, and therefore He demands perfection from His creatures. We are made in the image of God. The Bible teaches us the work God created man, male and female, after His own image. 
in knowledge, righteousness, and holiness with dominion over the creatures. And when God made our first parents, Adam and Eve, they were perfect. Absolutely. They resembled their Creator. But something happened. Something happened that changed their relationship, and that has affected all their posterity. What happened? Well, to put it very simply and clearly, they rebelled against God. God gave them a clear and simple commandment in order to test their obedience and their love towards their Creator. They listened to the evil one. And as a result, sin came into this world. We looked at it some time ago. <clears throat> and we noticed the devastating effect that it has had upon mankind. Therefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And this is where we find ourselves today. We find ourselves with the image of God being somewhat defaced upon us. Yet, God still requires us to perfectly obey Him, perpetually. Now, we cannot do it. It's impossible because of sin. We cannot possibly live to the standard that God has required of us. But the Christian gospel would tell us that God is prepared to accept a substitute. What does that mean? It means He's prepared to accept someone who has kept the law and paid the penalty for breaking the law on our behalf. That's what He wants us to know. That is the very essence and the heart of the Christian gospel. The gospel is quite clear. It tells us we're sinners. It tells us we have no hope in ourselves. It tells us that we have fallen far short of the glory of God. It says, there is none righteous, no, not one. We've all like sheep. We've all gone astray. We have no hope. There's no soundness in us. There's nothing in us that can please God. Nothing in our nature. Nothing whatsoever. In fact, we are the enemies of God by nature. This is what the Bible would teach us. And therefore, we have a real, real problem. An insurmountable problem that we cannot address ourselves. But in the gospel, blessed be God, He has done something about it. He has addressed our greatest need. He has addressed this need that we don't even recognize. Yet God in His great love, God in His great mercy has done something about it. You may well be familiar with John chapter 3, verse 16, widely regarded as the most popular verse or the most well-known verse in the Bible. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but 
that the world through him might be saved. There's the great hope that's before mankind. The hope is that Jesus Christ has come from heaven. He's come on a mercy mission. And we want to tell you that his mission was successful. Now you might know something about Jesus Christ. And you might know that he went to the cross. And there he suffered as a common criminal. In fact, it's maybe not accurate to call him a common criminal. He suffered as the most violent of criminals. Because it was only those who were condemned, who were real criminals, who were crucified. And Jesus Christ was crucified. Therefore, as far as the world was concerned, he was one of the most vilest and abhorrent of criminals. And therefore, you may well be asking, how can this man possibly save me? How can I find salvation in him? This one who is regarded as an outcast of society. One who was rejected by his own people and one who was crucified like an abhorrent criminal. Well, it was all part of God's plan. God was punishing him in our room and in our place. He was absolutely innocent, undefiled, pure, and holy. Yet he suffered as a criminal, as an arch sinner. Now, friends, if you will but trust upon him, you shall be saved. Your sins shall be forgiven because God has dealt with sin on the cross. God punished sin in His Son. And when you believe upon Him, your sins are forgiven. Because Christ has died in your room and in your place. He has taken the punishment that you so rightly deserve. And therefore, the Bible tells us there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I want to tell you, today is the day of salvation. What does salvation mean? Well, salvation means deliverance. It means to be set free. Well, today, friends, when you call upon the name of the Lord Jesus, you are delivered from the guilt, from the power, and ultimately from the presence of sin. Only because Jesus Christ has suffered and died in your room and in your place. Therefore, it's vitally important that you behold him today. Many people think about these things maybe for a moment or two. They hear some message like this. And they will think about it, they say, and they'll give it some consideration but then, a day or two after, they forget all about it. 
Well, today is the day of salvation. This is what we're told. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2. This is what Paul says in that verse. Behold, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Now's the time to call upon the Lord Jesus. Now's the time to make your calling and election sure. Many people put the things of this world before their never dying eternal soul. Jesus warns us against this. In Mark chapter 8, verses 36 and 37. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Just think of that for a moment. What will a man profit if he will get everything that this world can give him? If he will get beauty or if he will get honor, prestige, if he will get possessions, money, lands, power, whatever, whatever the things that this world gloats in and delights in, if a man gets everything of these, that his cup runs over with these things, yet he loses his soul, what does it matter? Because all the things of this world, friends, they're only for a season. Only for a season. Because we'll leave them all behind. Every single thing we'll leave behind. But your soul, your soul will live forever and ever. Your soul at the moment is joined to your body. You are body and soul. And one day you'll die unless the Lord Jesus will return before that time. But the likelihood is that all of us here will die. We will go through that process of death, which is separation. It's a separation of the body from the soul. And the soul... It shall go to be with the Lord for judgment. And the body, it shall return to the grave, to dust. And you can lose your soul. Because the moment that you die, your soul shall return to the Lord, and He will judge you. And He will judge you regarding what you have done with Jesus Christ Himself. What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Your soul is the most important and precious thing that you have. You might have very, very little in this world. You might be a beggar. And many people today are beggars. And they haven't got a penny to, to call their own. Yet, you have a soul. And that soul is priceless. And therefore, 
Only Jesus Christ can save your soul. You can lose it, but He can save it. How can He save it? You must call upon Him. You must call upon Jesus Christ. You must have Him as your Lord and as your Savior. What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world? Does riches make us happy? It doesn't. How many people have won millions on the lottery and as a result, their lives have been miserable. Well, friends, you have something more valuable than all the money in this world and all the possessions in this world and all the property in this world. You have a soul, a soul that shall live forever and forever. Where will your soul go? Well, we hope so. But the only way it can go to heaven is if Jesus Christ takes you to heaven. That's the only way. And the only way to be saved is to have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. How then can I have Him? What must I do? The Bible tells us clearly, repent and believe the gospel. Turn away from your sins. Turn away from your homosexuality. Turn away from your fornication. Turn away from your adultery. Turn away from your lying, from your cheating, from your stealing, from your blasphemy, from your false worship, from all the sins that are so common today. Turn away from them. That's what repentance means. It's to turn your back upon them and to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. It is to take up your cross and to follow Him. That's what's required. And then we will know the gift of eternal life. Now, friends, we come out this day because we realize there's a solemn day coming. What is that solemn day that I'm referring to? Hail Satan! Oh, dear, that's terrible, sir. Terrible, terrible. Satan is the enemy of mankind. Satan desires the damnation of your soul. He knows his time is short. He knows where he's going. And he wants to take as many of you with him. Well, friends, we're out and out against the evil one. We're out to serve King Jesus. And we're out to tell you that as one who has come to destroy the works of the devil... That is Jesus Christ. And we're out to tell you there's one who will save you. He will save you to the uttermost. And we're out to tell you, friends, that one day you will stand before King Jesus. This will happen one day, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. And we would remind ourselves, as we look at this verse, before we draw our time to a close, we would remind ourselves that Paul was speaking here, first of all, to Christians. He was telling Christians, 
We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. He was a Christian. He was a notable Christian. He was a fearless Christian. But he says, for we must all appear. Every one of us. It doesn't matter, Christian or non-Christian. We will appear before Jesus Christ. He will be there upon His great white throne. He will be there with His angels and His holy ones. And you shall come out of your grave and you shall stand in your body there before King Jesus and you will give account of your life to Him. What a day that will be. There'll be no king's counsel that day. There'll be no high-paid lawyers or solicitors. There'll be no high court or supreme court or appeal court or any other court. It will be just Jesus Christ alone and He will issue perfect divine justice on that day. How will you fare? Well, friends, on that day I'll tell you what you'll need above all. And it's only one thing you'll need. You'll need Christ Himself. You'll need His righteousness. You'll need to be able to stand before Him clothed in His purity and in His righteousness. How can I obtain that? By good works? By going to church? By being, charit- by being charitable? By giving my money away? No. The only way that you could be made right with God is to believe upon Jesus Christ today. Today is the day of salvation. That's why we come out. This is the day of grace. This is when the gospel is to be proclaimed. And this is the time that you're to put your faith and hope and trust upon Jesus Christ. Because that day of judgment's coming. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body. You know, we will not we will not be saved by our good works. Every other religion, apart from Christianity, all other religions teach that you'll be saved by your good works. Christianity teaches you that you cannot be saved by your good works. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, and not of works, so that no man may boast. You cannot be saved by your good works. Your good works are in the sight of God as filthy rags. But... You cannot be saved by your works, but you will be judged according to your works. Do you see the difference? Everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. We'll be judged according to our works, but we will not be saved according to our works. The only way to be saved is to have a Savior. And that Savior, my friends, I'm delighted to tell you this afternoon is King Jesus, who one day you will see. And I pray and I hope 
that you do not encounter him as a judge on that day. Instead, that you might know him as your Lord and Savior. Because, as the verse I've read continues, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. The terror of the Lord. This is something that's lost upon British society today. God is a God of wrath who will not tolerate sin. Today is a day of grace, but when that day ends, God will indeed judge and He will condemn those who are not in Christ. And that's why, friends, we tell you today is the day of salvation. That's why we tell you the words of the Savior, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Hear the words of the Savior, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's the Savior. And that's the one that we commend to you this afternoon, that you might be found in Him on that great day. And then when that day of judgment comes, you have nothing to fear. Why? Because Jesus has been condemned in your room and in your place. He is our substitute. We're not preaching ourselves. We're preaching another one. We're preaching King Jesus, whom to know is life everlasting. Paul goes on to speak to the, the Athenians who were full of their own wisdom and philosophy. But he got an opportunity to preach the gospel to them. And he tells them in part of his sermon, because he hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained. Wherefore, he hath given assurance unto all men in that he hath raised him from the dead. Paul is talking about Jesus. Paul is talking about this one whom God has appointed to judge the world in righteousness. And he has demonstrated that Jesus Christ is the judge by the resurrection. Jesus Christ suffered and died. He was put in a tomb, but the third day he rose again. And he rose again because his work was acceptable. And now, friends, he's been exalted and glorified. And now sits at God's right hand, waiting for that day when he shall return in power and in great glory. And you will see that day, for every eye shall see him. The Bible tells us. Well, it's good to be with you this afternoon, friends. We're delighted to be able to share something of the Christian gospel with you. And we do pray that God would follow with his blessing. All being well next week, God willing, we hope to be on Buchanan Street. May the Lord bless His Word to you then this afternoon.